0: So we're starting a new series this morning called Making Room, uh, and we are doing a study of biblical hospitality, a study of biblical hospitality. Who in here thinks they know what the word hospitality means? Hospitality. What do you think hospitality means? It means, like, if someone needs shelter from, like, a rainstorm or something, you can let them in and be kind to them. Letting somebody in, being kind to them, offering them shelter. That's good. That's good. What else? What does hospitality mean? What does hospitality mean? Yeah, all the way back there. Feeding somebody. Feeding somebody sheltering them. Yeah, so kind of along the same lines. Yeah. Being, to your guests. Being welcoming to guests. Okay. Yeah, that's really good. What else? Opening your home. Opening your home. Yeah, that's also really good. What else? Anybody else? One more. One more. What, is, what does it mean? What's hospitality mean? <laughs> what? It's a career cluster. It's a, a what? A career, cluster. a career cluster. I don't know what that even means. Okay. One more answer. One more answer. What, what do we got? What does it mean to be hospitable? What does hospitality mean? Yeah, look. To provide things for other people. Okay, yeah, those are all really good definitions. Um, I think in general, when I think about being hospitable um, or hospitality, it is—it's that idea of like I'm going to open up my home for somebody and let them in, provide them shelter, give food um, or whatever. And and so I, I have a story that goes along with that, and I want to let you guys know. I, I so I have a cousin. And his name uh, is Nathan. And he is the oldest cousin. How many of you guys are like the oldest cousin in your family? Oldest cousin? Second? Okay. So here's the thing. I don't know why. I don't know why. But for some reason, for some reason, the oldest cousin always feels like the coolest cousin. Is that, is that true for you guys? No? Some of you, yes. Some of you, no. We well, are. Well, here just to let you guys know, in my family... Um, I'm kind of in the middle as far as cousins go, age-wise, and so Nathan was, he was a little bit older than I was, and I remember whenever I was about a sophomore in high school, we got a call um, from my aunt, and she let us know that Nathan was going to be coming to stay with us, and this was like a really big deal, because we lived in Texas, um, and Nathan and his family, they lived in Michigan, and I was like super pumped. That my cousin, who I thought was awesome, this really super cool cousin, was going to come and live with us. I was, I, was su- I was so excited. I was ready to go. And I was like, man, this is going to be great. Until my mom looks at me and she goes, oh, it's going to be so fun. He's going to stay with us. And then you guys will be able to share a room. And I was like, whoa, wait, time out. What? I'm sorry. Uh, come again. Come again, mom. What? We're sharing what? A oh, what? A room? My room? What? Wow. And so I, all of a sudden, I went from this, like, super excited, like, yes, my cousin's going to come live with us, and this is going to be awesome, to now I have to share my room with this guy? Like, what is that? This is my space. Like, this is my stuff. This is, like, what are we going to, how, how are we going to both fit in this tiny little room of mine? Like, what is going on? And so I remember he came and he lived with us and we shared a room um, and it worked out actually pretty well. But I just remember at the at the beginning, I I don't think that I had a, a bone of hospitality like in my body. Like I was not very welcoming or like good at sharing things that were mine, especially when it came to my room. How many of you like you don't let your siblings into your room? You have like a sign on your door and it just says go away. Yeah. Yeah. So think about, think about you sharing your room, not just with a sibling, but with a cousin who, who's like from really far away and is going to be staying with you for like an indefinite amount of time and you're not sure when they're, when they're going to be gone. And so that was my experience and I was really worried and I was just like, oh my goodness, where is he going to fit? How are we going to make room um, in this house for him to live here? And so that's kind of a little bit of what this series is going to be about, about making room for other people in our lives. But here's the thing. Um, I believe that as we get into this series, um, I think this is kind of a main idea for us to to focus around um, here in the next couple of weeks. And here it is. When we allow others into our physical space, so whether that's like our room or like our house or wherever, like into our areas of life, When we allow others into our physical space, we must make room for them in our hearts as well. And so I think biblical hospitality speaks to two different things. I think it it speaks to a physical space. So like shelter, allowing somebody to come in your home, or like preparing food for them, allowing them to be with you. But then I think it also calls for something else. I think it calls for for like a heart space, um, for allowing others to not only make room around you, but you're making room for them um, in here. And so to say, hey, not only are you allowed here, But you are are welcome here, and I want you to be here, and I want to care for you. I want to be unselfish in the things that I give to you, Um, not just including this space, but also in the time that I give you or in the resources or whatever else I'm offering you. I think biblical hospitality looks like those two things, not just physical space, but also heart space. And here's the other thing, too. I think that when we allow others to enter enter our space, like if we're obedient in that, I think that God helps to create that space in our heart for us, that that's something that we learn over time. Because here's the thing. When Nathan showed up, um, I wasn't too pumped that we were sharing a room. Like I thought he was really cool and all, but I was like, man, like this is my room, and I need some me time, and I don't really want to be around other people when I want to be alone for my family. But over time, as he stayed longer, we started to have good conversations Like before bed. Um, whenever I'd get home from school, like we would hang out, and, and we'd just have really good conversations, and, and we'd talk, and I, I feel like I learned a lot from him. But then also, I think internally, I grew in, in hospitality in my heart of saying, yeah, I am glad you're here. Like, What can I do for you? Or what, what do you need from me? Or how can I help you? And so I think that hospitality looks like those two things. So I think that we've all experienced either making room for somebody else or hoping that somebody else makes room for us. Have you guys experienced that where you've been in a space where you're like, man, I hope they make room for me. And that might be, man, I hope that they make room for me at the lunch table. How many of you guys have ever, ever had that? I hope they make room for me at the lunch table. I hope that they make room for me, whether it's in your house. Here's, here's the one that me and my brother always fought over. Making room for each other on the couch. <laughs> you guys ever do that? Like, it's movie night, you got the popcorn out. And then you and your brother or you and your sister, like you sprint to see who's going to get the best spot in the living room to watch the movie. Like whether it's the big comfy chair or like whether dad's on the couch and you're like, I'm sitting next to dad tonight. You look out. So me and dad are hanging out and you can sit alone in the corner over there. So that was, that was me and me and my brother growing up. But I think that I think that we've all experienced that, whether it's making room in your house, in your own room, like I had to do, um, at your lunch table. Maybe you need to make room. You're, you're called to make room for somebody else on your team. Like whether that's, hey, we have an extra spot for another player. Um, you you be a part of this. Um, you come you come and be a part of this. Or or the couch. But also, I want to I want I want you guys to flip that mentality as well. Um, to say, not only do I need to make room for other people, Um, but think about yourself in that situation where you've been like, man, I hope somebody has a spot for me, or I hope that they make room for me, and so even even on on our summer trip that's coming up to mix, to say, man, I hope there's a spot for me on that trip. And so that's what we do. We, we make room for you guys, whether it's on the bus or whether it's just like the trip in general. We say, hey, we have space for you, and we want to make room for you guys to come with us and hang out with us. And so making room is what we're going to be talking about. And so here's another, here's another thing that I think is important for us um, to think about. Hey, can you guys not do that? That'd be great, things. Um, growth is stifled when we stiff-arm people out of our lives. And so I think that I think that's really important, um, and I think that whenever we have a mindset of no, i 'm not going to be hospitable to other people," then I think that we push away opportunities in our lives to grow with each other. So if I never would have if I would have just said flat out no to my cousin coming and staying with us, I don't think that I would have grown like I did or had just some different experiences that I had um, that were beneficial to me, that I knew that, that God had for me. And so if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and get those out. Now we're going to look at hey, what does Scripture have to say about hospitality. So if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 3 through 8. Romans Chapter 12, 3 through 8. And if you guys have it on your phones or your iPad or a technical device, you can use those. Um, We prefer that you guys bring your actual Bible, like a physical, real Bible, because you can write in that and take notes um, and do a lot of that cool stuff. I know you can take notes on the app, but... I think there's something different about uh, being able to write something down on a physical piece of paper and remember it when you open up to there later. So Romans 12, 3 through 8. Here we go. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think... Of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. According to the grace given us, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And so I want you guys, I want us to focus in here on on the very first part of this this passage. Right off the bat in verse 3, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So here's something that I know that a lot of us struggle with. And it's a big, uh, big S word, selfishness. I think that you guys, growing up in, in the culture that we live in and just the things that we see around us, that everything that, whether it's the media or whether they're ads or, or whatever we're seeing kind of pumped out of mainstream media, um, there is just a vibe of, of selfishness that kind of hangs in the air with most of the things that we see or um, that are given to us or whatever. Um, Hey, guys, can you not play with the duct tape? That'd be awesome. Um, cool. So I think that we typically see, yeah, just this, this general vibe of, of selfishness, of, of man. Whatever I'm doing, those things, they're about me. Those things that I, that I see, the things that I want, like whatever, I'm going to push people out of the way so that I can get what I want. And the idea of being hospitable, hospitable or or biblical hospitality looks like putting other people in front of your own needs. And so you taking the time to step back and say, man, I'm going to put this other person in front of me or what I want. That is something that I think is really difficult. So here, let me give you guys a small example. A small example, because I think this is most of us. Whenever we get um, around the table with our family, if the meal is delicious, right? There's always that moment where you look at the the main plate of food and there's like one scoop left or there's like one roll left and it's like you kind of have this moment where you look across the table at whoever's sitting there and there's like this nonverbal communication of like, who's going to eat it? Like, because you're thinking to yourself, you're like, I'm going to eat it. And they're looking over at you and they're like, I'm going to eat it. And so just even with food, they're like, typically we don't defer. And I know that I do this all the time. And and my wife gets on me. And I'm I'm trying to be better about this. But I, like, anytime that I see food and know it was delicious and there's, like, one scoop left, I immediately assume, like, oh, just take that. That's mine. Put it on my plate and I eat it. Rather than asking before I take it, hey, would anybody else like this? like to defer to other people before myself like that that's being hospitable that's that's making room as far as like at the dinner table so to say hey i'm going to offer this to you before i take this for myself and i think just generally in our culture most things are if you see something that's valuable you take it and you take it for yourself and so that is not our typical culture to say hey, I know this thing is valuable or I see this thing that I want and I'm actually going to defer and ask if you would like this before I take it for myself. And so scripture here in, in Romans calls us, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So he's saying, think of yourself not, not too highly. Like, and that isn't saying, hey, I'm a crummy person, whatever. Like, No, that's just saying, don't, don't be too high on yourself. Like, Have a little humility in your life. And I think that whenever we, um, we act and we live with those things in our lives, then it affects the way that we treat others whenever we have that humility and we think of others as better than ourselves. And then he goes on to say, it goes on to talk about different gifts. We have, in verse 6, we have different gifts according to... Um, the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. And he goes and he lists all of these other gifts. So here I think, yeah, we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So he lists all of these things out. Basically what he's saying is that each and every person that you see is valuable. And I know that we talked about that a couple weeks ago, that every single person that you run across has value. And so even for those of you who are new, uh, new sixth graders in here and you're like, oh, well, we weren't here, I've never heard that. Let me tell you now, Every single person that you meet and come across has value. They are valuable simply because they've been made in the image of God. And so what I want us to do is, I want you guys like look around. Look around at each other. See like, the random faces. People in here, maybe people that you've never, never talked to. Maybe somebody that you were just awkwardly close to while we played that game. Um, I want you to see them, and I want you to know that they are valuable. So turn to the person on your left and say, hey, you're valuable. And turn to the person on their right and say, hey, you're valuable. Here you go. Perfect, perfect. Every every single person here, because they've been made in the image of God, is valuable. Every single person in here has value and has some type of gifting or something that makes them valuable to the body of Christ. So we'll bring it, bring it back in. Bring it back in. That was really good, you guys. That was really hey, good. You're back hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so, if you guys also would like to turn over to the book of Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 15, chapter 15, 6 through 8. Acts 15, 6 through 8. All right, here we go. Acts fifteen six through 8. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. So here, pause, time out. Before we go any further, the question that they're addressing here is, man, do we take the gospel to other people, to Gentiles. Like, is the gospel for non-Jewish people? Because from the beginning of, of God's covenant with Abraham all the way back in the Old Testament... God chose his people. They became the nation of Israel. And so all throughout the Old Testament, God is is protecting and walking with the nation of Israel. and, And we know them as the Jewish people. They were Jews. And so then Jesus comes, he dies, he's raised to life. And he says, this message is for all people. But now the Jewish people who they were like, they got caught up in selfishness and they began to think, and this message of salvation, this is only for us. This is only for us. But Jesus is saying, hey, no, you're going supposed to go and you're supposed to teach and preach and baptize every single person that you come and, and you meet. Everybody from here to wherever, your neighbor, to across the street, to across the world, you are to go and you are to love them and to make disciples. And so the question that they're answering is, man, do, we, do we not only teach to them, but should the Gentiles participate in, like in certain practices and other things? Like, Are they required to do different laws in the Old Testament to make them holy or saved? And so again, verse 6, here we go. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. So here we go. Pay attention right here. Verse 8. God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. So what Peter is saying here, he's saying, hey, whoa, time out. Like this message of salvation, this gospel message, that's for every single person. Like, that's for all of us. Because he picked us, and it wasn't like we were anything special. That At that moment, God was like, oh, yeah, you guys are super special. You carried my message. You guys are the ones to get salvation. Like, that's not... God chose his people not because of how they acted. He chose them because he picked, like, he, he chose them. Like, that's the only thing to it. They didn't do anything special. He just said, You. You're going to be my people, and you're going to represent my name throughout the world. And so at the same time, they're saying, man, if God's done that for us, then we can't keep that to ourselves. And so I think sometimes we sit here in this room, all of us. We looked around, right, just a second ago. All of us sit in here, and I think it's easy for us sometimes to think, man, okay, I have this message of salvation. I have the gospel. I have the good news. Like, that's for me. And we see people living their lives maybe in a way that um, they, they wouldn't, it's not pleasing to God. Maybe they're living in sin. And we look at them and it's like, man, wow, their life is really messed up. And our response should be, wow, I. what can I do to make room for that person so that they know and, and have a relationship with Jesus? That should be our response. Rather than just like, oh man, they're messed up. I hope they never come to church because that would be really annoying. But honestly, I think, that, I think that some of us, we feel that way sometimes. Like there are kids at school um, or on your team or wherever. You guys know that you see them and your first response isn't like, man, how can I invite them to come with me to church? Or how can I share the gospel with them? It's like, man, I hope, I hope they never end up wherever I am because I'm really annoyed by them or or they really bother me. And I think that even if we do a really good, good job of being hospitable to one another, man, if we're not being hospitable, if we're not making room for those who don't know Jesus, then we have completely missed the point. We've completely missed it. So I want to challenge you guys with that. I want that to be your challenge this week. Who, who do you know that you need to make room for? And in another way... Who needs an invitation to God's kingdom from you? Let me ask that question again. Who needs an invitation to God's kingdom from you? Because the good news, the gospel message, this church, whatever, like whatever you want to call this, whether it's youth group or middle school or the chapel or the church or this is just my Sunday hangout, like this isn't something that's just for us. This is something that Every time that we get together, we should be looking to grow, to bring new people in, um, and to make room for those people. So, like I said before, making room isn't just physical space, because you can invite somebody to come that maybe initially you're like, "Uh, I feel like if you showed up to church, maybe you'd be a distraction, or maybe you'd cause a scene, or maybe you'd, and we get really worried about those things, and so we don't invite people in. But even if you did that and you made room for them, And you said, hey, yeah, you come and hang out. But then you made sure that you were on the complete opposite side of the room from them, and you're like, yeah, I don't know them. They just kind of showed up. I'm not really sure who they are. Like, Then you're not making room for them because you've made physical space, but you've made no space in here internally in your heart to welcome them in, to make them feel like they belong here, and to let them know that they are valuable, not only to you, but most importantly to God. And I think that that's really tough for us, to make room for others who we really don't want to. But I think that Scripture calls us to make room for others. So whether it's somebody that you know, maybe it's an old friend, it could even be your brother or your sister, maybe you need to make room in your life for your parents, maybe it's a teacher, maybe somebody like who even lives down the street from you, you're just like, that person is weird, um, and I never want to talk to them, and every time I see them out in the road, I run and hide in the bushes. Like, don't do that. But I'm just saying there are people in our lives that we typically avoid. But I think that because of the gospel, we're called not to shy away from those people, but to seek those people out and invite them in to the good news of salvation that we've received. So here is, if you guys, if you guys didn't catch anything else today, here is here's the main point. Here's the big idea for today. Biblical hospitality is fueled by the gospel of grace. So we are hospitable to other people because God has made room in his kingdom for us first. And like I said, it wasn't because you were special or because you went to church every single Sunday or because your parents were Christians or because whatever. God makes room for us because he has grace and mercy in our lives. He extends salvation to us. He chooses us. And we say, yeah, I'm in. I want that. Like, there's nothing you can do to earn those things. Nothing. And so, in the same way, we have people that we know in our lives that there is nothing that they can do to earn that. But we look at them more we're like, man, they should really clean their lives up before they show up to church. Or they should really clean their lives up before I tell them about Jesus. Or like, you name it. So I want to encourage you guys again with that question of who needs an invitation from you to even Whether it's here, maybe it's, hey, come, come to Bible study with us. Or even better, whenever we do our Friday, like capture the flag. Um, and I know here in two Fridays, so two weeks, we're going to have another Friday event just before mix. Um, and that's going to be awesome. And we'll have more info on that for you guys next week. But I just want to let you know, man, who do I need to invite to come and be a part of what's happening here? I feel like I belong here. I love being a part of this. So then who do I know that also should be part of this? Does that make sense? You guys, you, guys, you guys with me on that? You good? If you're with me, say, oh yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So biblical hospitality, you guys, is fueled by the gospel of grace. So who do you, who do you need to extend an invitation to this week? Because I think... Making room typically starts with an invitation. I know that whenever we made room for my cousin, um, it was actually an invite from my mom who was like, hey, maybe he should come and stay with us Uh, because maybe he's up in Michigan and just things are kind of going a different way. Maybe, hey, come come and stay with us. If you're looking to go somewhere or move away from home, come and stay with us. And that was an invitation that my mom made. And so that taught me a little bit more of, man, maybe I should be... Hospital, but Maybe I should be making room for other people. So over the next couple of weeks, here's a couple of things that we're going to talk about. Not just making room for others, but a little bit more specifically. We're going to be talking about what does it look like to make room for those who you feel like have betrayed you? What does it look like to make room for our betrayers? What does it look like to make room for the lost cause? The ones that people have given up on or other people say, man, there's no way that anything good can come from that. I've totally given up on them. What does it look like to make room for the lost cause? And then what does it look like to make room for the self-righteous? People who think that they've got it all together and don't need you. Like, What does it look like to make room for those people, for the self-righteous? And so those are the things that we're going to be going over. So would you guys let me pray for us. Um, And while I'm doing that, uh, verse is going to come up and we're going to worship together and respond um, to what God has taught us this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning so thankful for all that you do. God, thank you for making room for us. Thank you that you sent your son to die for each and every one of us. And that because of that, we have, we have space in your kingdom. God, you, not only that, you, you said that you prepare a place for us. That when we leave here and, and go to be with you, you are ready. You have made room for us. You are the master of hospitality. You are the master of making room. Um, and we're so thankful, God, that you, you choose us and you make room for us. So because of that, would you, would you help us to make room for others in our lives? And even, even point those people out in us, maybe even while we're worshiping in this moment, that we need to make room for in our lives. So would you teach us to do that? Would you give us courage and boldness to do that and to do it with, with love that flows from you? We're so thankful for you. In your name we pray. Amen.